Welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship. We hope that what you hear encourages you in your personal walk with Jesus Christ. Stay tuned afterwards for more information. Welcome to uh, Living Water Bible Fellowship. My name is Bo Hutchess. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And Before we get into worship, we need to talk a little bit of business and just give a couple updates for the goings-on here at the church. Uh, some of you know, last week we had a really big event that we host every year, Eagle Lake Camp. Uh, that's where we bring uh, kids ages 6 to 12 and kind of bring the camp experience to them here at the church. So these hallways are filled with kids. The parking lot has lots of activities. There's a lot going on, and we got through that season. And I just wanted to update everybody about that camp, you know, some numbers-wise and some of the things that happened. We had 95 kids here uh, for that week of camp. And uh, we shoot for 100, we got 95, and we're happy with that. We're praising God for that. About 44 of those kids who came to camp were kids who belong to our ministries, who come to the kids' ministry, who were involved in the church here. So 44 of those kids, 11 of those kids um, were kids who were kind of associated with the church. They come uh, every once in a while, they pop in. Uh, five of those 95 kids come from different churches, and 35 of those kids, um, we don't know. You know, they're, they're new, for the first, first time people who came to the camp. Um, there are some grandkids of people who are here in the valley. They are visitors for the first time. So it was a really, really good event. Um, their theme verse was Luke 19.10, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So the kids were all about uh, learning about what it means for Jesus to seek out those who are lost. So it was a really good event. Um, I think the kids had a lot of fun. And uh, it was just a, so, so thank you all for praying. Thank you all for donating. For those of you who did, we really, really appreciate that. Um, so Eagle Lake Camp, we'll have that back again next year probably. So, um, yeah, to stay in the same vein, I'm going to invite Brenna Reveille up here to tell us a little bit about uh, VBS. So welcome, Brenna. Hi, I'm Brenna Reveille. Um, I am the VBS director this year. I actually noticed this time around I was really struggling for service. Um, so this year's theme is Destination Dig, which is unearthing the truth about Jesus. It is the 9th through the 13th of August from 9 a.m. to noon. And I, my ages are two as long as they're potty trained up to fifth grade. Um, and so I have flyers out on the our little foyer um, horseshoe thing. And it has the um, thing to get into online registration. So online registration is open. You can also register when you bring your kids that morning. But if your kids have any dietary restrictions or anything, it would be better so I can make sure to, that they have a snack as well. And if you want to volunteer, you can come and see me. Or you can, in the um, bulletin, my email is there. So if anybody wants to volunteer, um, I need a lot of help. So thank you. Thanks, Brenna. All right, Cheryl O'Dowd is going to give us an update on some things with the family team. Good morning. So in your flyers, um, we have um, our next event taking place, a little bit more information on it. We, um, I, again, I'm with family team, and our goal is to develop Christ-centered families, and our our idea is that everybody that goes to this church is part of a family, and that's the body of Christ. And so um, on Saturday, we are doing a little kind of different thing on our popcorn in a movie. We're going to do popcorn in a movie at our house on the lawn. And we're going to be meeting at 6.30. Dinner is going to be provided pizza. 
And we're going to hope that the parents and grandparents can help put together boxcars for their children to watch the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And we thought that was just a great movie for them being able to sit in their own little cars. Um, we're all gathering together Wednesday night to put together all the items that you guys will need to develop um, those um, boxcars for your children. And so when you show up, we're going to have pizza, um, build boxcars, and then we're asking people, bring your own lawn chairs or blankets if you're going to sit on the, the ground. Um, bring a little pillow for your kids to have in their boxcars, and so that way they're comfortable. And make sure to bring blankets because sometimes it's cool here in the valley at night. If for some reason we have rain or wind that happens to be happening Friday, uh, Saturday night, we are going to be moving it back here to the sanctuary for our popcorn and a movie. We hope to see everybody. Bring some neighbors, friends, anybody that you've been wanting to try to get to come to church, bring them. We hope to see everybody. All right, thanks. Thanks, Cheryl. All right, I'm going to ask that we would stand in God's presence, and we will enter into our time of worship. So please stand, and I will be reading from Psalm 86. These are the words of God from Psalm 86, a prayer of David. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and listen to my plea for grace. In the day of trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations that you have made will come and worship before you and shall glorify your name. For you are great and you do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth and unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the beautiful weather, and we thank you for gathering us together that we may worship you. Lord, we ask that you would be pleased and that you would make our worship acceptable in your sights. We love you, and in Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift our voices in praise and worship this morning. Everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of Savior. Hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He 
save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in, now I surrender. the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the the whole world see we're singing for the glory of the risen king jesus shine your light and let the whole world see we're singing for the glory of the risen king he can move the mountains my god mighty to save he is mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave savior he can move the mountain my god is mighty mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave Jesus conquered the grave the whole world sees singing for the glory of the risen Let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King.
morning, everybody. So I invite everyone to come to the Lord's table this morning to celebrate Him. So what is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of Him. The Lord's Supper is our communion with Him. The Lord's Supper is our fellowship with the body of Christ and especially the local body of us here. So, the Lord came and died on a cross for us. This is not a magic show. There's no smoke. There's no mirrors. This is real. And what he did for us is real. So, why should we take communion? Because he commanded us to. It's one of the things he did. So as I said, I invite you to take the Lord's Supper today. As I said, it's not a magic show. It's a personal relationship with Christ. And we need to celebrate that with Christ. I could ask the deacons to come forward.
Jim, would you say a blessing? God and Father, you are so good. You are beyond perfect. Your plan cannot be matched. God the Son, Jesus, you paid the price for every one of us. We don't deserve it, but you did it anyway out of your great love for us. God, the Holy Spirit, you come and you reside in us to guide us, to give us direction. You prick our conscience to do that, which you want us to do through your word. So we come this morning confessing our sins to you and partaking of this communion because you want us to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. He broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is my shed blood. Do this also in remembrance of me. As I said, come to the table. Father, I just... Ask that you be with each and every one of us, Lord, as we come to your table. Lord, thank you. Take and eat. Lord, we also thank you for the cup. Take and drink. I would ask that the deacons come forward for the offering. Art, would you give the blessing? Please uh, bless this offering. Uh, we thank you always for being a wonderful provider for us. And uh, we love you so very much. And thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. We're going to praise the giver of gifts, risen Christ, Jesus our Savior. Oh, oh, oh. 
children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. Let it rise, oh let it rise above the four winds, caught up in the heavenly sound. Praises echo from the towers, cathedrals to the faithful gathered underground. All the songs sung from the dawn of creation, some were meant to persist. All the bells rung from a thousand steeples, none rings truer than this. All God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah. He reigns, He reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah. He reigns, He just heard Cause all the powers of darkness can't drown out a single word Praise Jesus the risen King And all the powers of darkness tremble at what they've just heard Cause all the powers of darkness can't drown out a single word. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah. He reigns. He reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah. He reigns. He reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory, hallelujah, He reigns, He that Jesus Christ is Lord but as pastor was telling us in one of his sermons we'd like to work together with you we want it to be a good day a day where because we have been telling you be our Lord that you're Lord and we don't want it to be one of those days where we're being forced on our knees to say that you're Lord we want to make you, Lord. Please, 
let's pretend we have a, uh, a throne on our heart and allow Jesus to sit upon it and rule and reign in every decision we make and, and that we would um, trust you completely for every little bitty thing and every really big thing. And we want to be part of the family business where we show people that you love them and, that sh and, and try and lead people into a personal relationship with Jesus for themselves. So, Lord Jesus, we devote the rest of the service to you and our hearts to you. And we want whatever you want. Period. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Let's sing that one more time before we sit down. Let's just put a, put a period on this. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns, He reigns. It's all God's children singing glory, glory. Hallelujah, He reigns. Amen. You may be seated. Man, you see the news sometimes, you're watching what's happening in the world sometimes, and we need to hear again and again that God reigns. This is His world. He's in control. He knows the destination. He knows the end. He's won the victory. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's brought us into His kingdom. He's brought us into His family. He's saved us forever and ever. He reigns. Praise God for that today. Uh, I was watching people first service and I was trying to read their expressions and read their, maybe what was going on in their life. And I, I just imagined uh, some of the things that people are, are facing and some of the things that people are struggling with, some of the difficulties, the challenges they face, some of the hardships they've been through. Um, you know, I've got a family member right now that I'm, I'm praying a lot for. She has a medical condition that can't be fixed by surgery, by medicine, or by therapy. And what do I do? What do we do? All right, I've got another family member who's just, uh, he's just stuck in life right now. He's paralyzed by fear. He's paralyzed by where his life is going. He doesn't know where it's going. He doesn't know his next step. He doesn't know what the future holds, and he just... What can we do for him? What can I do for him? You know, our, our local community here, we, we see, man, there, there's so many challenges that we face. Our, uh, our, our drought condition, right? Our, our farmers and our ranchers, some of the future doesn't look so bright uh, from certain perspectives. What can we do about that? The drug use, the alcohol use in our local community is through the roof. Uh, look at the homeless problem, you look at some of the poverty issues that we face, some of the crime in our community, and uh, boy, it gets overwhelming. It's so good to step back and say, God reigns. So good to remember that God is in control, but... And so I was watching the people in the first service, and I was just, what are they facing, and what, what are they challenges, what, what can they do, what are they doing, what are they, what are they striving for? 
with and against and struggling, struggling in. Guys, what, what can we do in the world when our lives, when our situations are just overwhelming? Please open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel, chapter 10. I'm going to start in verse 1. May God bless the reading of His holy revelation. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for three full weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and I looked, and behold, a man clothed with linen, with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And Pause there, please. And so Daniel begins a, he's speaking of a time where he began to pray for three straight weeks, for 21 days. And whenever you read narrative literature, historical literature, or prophetic literature, you know, there's always a backstory. You know, every person you meet is going through something. Every person you you, you meet, they're, they're, they're striving against something, or they're dealing with some issue. They have some challenge that they're facing in their life. And Daniel, why does he, why does he mourn for three weeks? Why does he... You know, he's in the king's palace. He's got access to the richest of foods, the finest of wines, the, the oils to anoint his body in, in the harsh desert climate. Why does he give that up? Well, if you've been with us in our sermon series, you've heard again and again how he's been praying for the people of God. He's been praying for the Israelites. He's been praying for his people passionately and zealously, regularly, fervently. He's been praying for his people. And this is, this is no different because what's happened, the third year of Cyrus, this is about 536, 535 B.C., uh, the, the, the great Persian kingdom has entered the world arena, defeating the Babylonians. Um, the, the Medes and the Persians have taken control, and Cyrus, uh, 538 B.C., he said to the Israelites, You captives, and he said to many other nations, you can go home to your lands, the places where the Babylonians snatched you out of and made you slaves. You can return. And just as as God prophesied through Jeremiah, God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah to the people, after 70 years, you get to go home. And it came true. God's word came true again, just like it always comes true. It came true. God said you could go home after 70 years. It it happened. But this is the issue. A lot of the Israelites decided not to go home. A lot of the Israelites decided that they had built their life in Babylon. 
and they weren't going home. A small, a small portion of the, of the people that had grown for 70 years, they returned to Jerusalem, and, and, and those that went, they started off initially very quickly building a, a foundation of the temple, building the altar of the temple, but then they faced all kinds of opposition. The Samaritans, what we call the Samaritans in the New Testament, they started to oppose the, the, the Israelites threatening them. They ran into all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of problems, and, the, and, the, and the, the building of the city ceased. The building of the wall ceased. Everything stopped, and everything was on hold, and they were vulnerable, and they were in a very terrible position. Daniel was worried that if these things didn't happen, that uh, the Israelites would fall again. If there was no love of God, if there was no passion and zeal for Yahweh, what, what would what would happen? And so he, he's mourning and he's praying. He's on a semi-fast. His, his, he's living such a life before God, like he's identifying with the people that are suffering in Jerusalem and, and saying, oh, Lord, change their, their, their tact, change their situation, change their circumstances, rescue them. He's, he's mourning, he's grieving for his people. I know some of you are grieving for family members and, and people that you love and you're crying out to them and calling out to them and you want to see their circumstances changed. That, that's Daniel's heart. He, he loves his people and his love is not cold. His love is not prayerless. His love is passionate. He wants to do something about it. And so, and so, he, so he prays. Um, sometimes I wonder if we forget what moves mountains. Sometimes I, for, I wonder if we've forgotten what Jesus preached about prayer. And uh, I wonder sometimes if we are a church of prayer, in fact, and, and it's not something we simply aspire to. As we look around and, and we see what governments are doing and we see what nonprofit agencies are doing, what the colleges are doing, what human organizations are doing, uh, I wonder what the church is doing to rescue and save and change lives and see per people flourish. Well, Daniel is, is praying for, for 21 days. He, he prays and, and then he says on the 24th day of the first month, and, and that's the first month is, that, that's, that's the first month when God brought Israel out of Egypt. If you remember in the book of Exodus, the first month is where, where they started celebrating Passover and so he's got on a kind of a semi-fast during the Passover season. And, and God, he, you know, the history of the Jews is that God rescued them from slavery. And, and so I think what Daniel is doing, he's crying out to his God. He's, he's passionately seeking his God. Please, God, save my people again. Save my people again. Rescue my people again. But on the 24th day of this month, he says, I was standing on the bank of this river and I, I looked up and there behold... There is a vision of God. Um, the description that is here is, is very uh, much like the first chapter in the book of Revelation. When the Apostle John in the island of Patmos, when he sees the risen Jesus come to him and the, the, the eyes like burning fire and the face like lightning, the gleam of, I, I, I don't know what that looks like, the gleam of burnished bronze something tremendously beautiful and stunning. And the voice like many waterfalls or the voice like many crashing waves, he's overwhelmed. 
and he falls on his face. It's like he passes out. If God showed us his glory fully, we would all be dead. But he appears to Daniel in the in the in the, the theophany, the vision of God in a bodily form. God doesn't have a body, he's condescending to Daniel, so Daniel can see, get a, a glimpse of what God is like. Maybe this is the pre-incarnate Jesus, uh, the Jesus before he took on flesh. Uh, we don't know. But Daniel is given a vision of God, and, and don't we need a vision of God from time to time? Don't we need to remember that God is great? Don't we need to remember that God is the maker of heaven and earth, that God is awesome and incredible and sublime and beyond any human creation? Don't we need to remember, don't we need to see again the glory of God in all of His splendor? Um, sometimes we, we keep our eyes on this level, and we forget how great He is. We make God small in our eyes, and we forget that He reigns. We forget that He's in control. I think Daniel needed to, by God's grace, he, God knew that he needed to see God again and, and understand God again and to realize that even though on a, on a horizontal kind of a plane, everything looks like it's trouble and everything looks like it's hopeless and everything looks like it's not going to be fixable or, or achievable. Daniel sees God. And when you see God, if you see God in the eyes of your heart, when you see God through the revealed Word of God, you know what He's, what he's like and who He's like and His character and His greatness you can look at, at, at your situations and your problems. You can look at your family members that are broken and hurting and, and you can say, I know God, He reigns. And I, go, I know He's bigger than any problem that I might face, that nothing is in, in, impossible with my God. And so God in His grace, He condescends to Daniel. He sees a vision and Daniel basically passes out. And look what happens next. And behold, a hand touches me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I, I stood up trembling. And he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words." The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days to come. And jump down to verse 18. Again, when having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me, and I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you not know why I have come? A kind of a rhetorical question, he already told him. But now I will turn to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And, and so we have many different layers here, many different themes going on. And, and some fascinating, some fascinating behind-the-scenes 
look at reality. The angel uh, comes and touches Daniel, raises him up. We don't know if this is, this is different than the vision, the, the, the personage he saw in the vision. If he saw God and he couldn't handle it, so God sent an angel to, to talk. And the angel is kind of a messaging angel. You know, what are angels? They're messengers. They're apostles, small a apostles that are sent to do God's bidding. So that this, this angel comes and, and he says, you've got you to stand up, you've got to listen, you've got to pay attention, I've got a message for you. And we're not going to go into it, but chapter 11 is the summary of the message. And uh, it's, it's quite detailed prophecy that has come true. Uh, and I should just on the side tell you that uh, um, scholars and, and, and uh, teachers and preachers through the years have, have been amazed by chapter 11 of Daniel that it was written before it happened. There are many, uh, I guess you'd call them liberal uh, uh, preachers and, and teachers and scholars that they're just absolutely convinced that Daniel couldn't, couldn't have been prophecy because the things that happened in chapter 11 were so specific. How could God, how, how, how could anybody know the future is, is the, the critique from, from people that don't believe that God is in control of history. They say that couldn't have been written in the 6th century by the historical Daniel, it had to be written in the second century by somebody kind of claiming Daniel, kind of a pseudo-prophecy. Um, but just, just know that uh, the, the God's word that was given to Daniel through this vision and through this message, it came true and, it, and it's coming true. For We'll see next week. I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in chapter 11. I'm going to go to mostly chapter 12 next week because this is one big message. But, uh, but God's word is being fulfilled and has been fulfilled. And so you can trust in the rest of his promises to come true as well. But we, we see here that the, this, this angel comes and he has a fascinating story. He's encouraging Daniel, get up. He's encouraging Daniel, you've got to pay attention. I've got a message from God from you. And, and he said, from the first day you started praying. So the first day of the 21-day kind of semi-fast prayer focus, God heard your words. Heaven heard your words. Oh, church, isn't that encouraging? It isn't, isn't that, man, doesn't get your heart pumping? That the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, when you pray, He hears your prayers. We see this repeated again and again in the Scriptures. God hears the prayers of His people. When the church brings prayers before the throne of grace, when we bring our supplications, our cries of mercy, our passionate pleas for God to move, God hears our prayers. That's incredible. That's awesome. Our prayers, Revelation says, rise as incense before the throne. He gathers them in the bowl and they rise before Him. It's a beautiful image of your prayers crying out for your neighbors, crying out for your community, crying out for those people suffering in our valley, crying out for your family members. They rise before God and God hears every prayer just like that. And the more incredible part of this, the angel says, as soon as your prayers were heard, I was sent. Brothers and sisters, your prayers are answered. Always. Now, sometimes God says no. 
but he answers. Sometimes he says, not yet. Okay? Sometimes he says, my timing is better than your timing. Sometimes he wants us to pray a little bit more because our prayers are just a little bit off. No, John, you can't have that Lamborghini. Maybe a Yugo would be right for you. I, I don't know. But he says, no, he says, not yet. He's, and he says, yes, at times. God answers our prayers. God answers our prayers. I'm thankful for the people in our community that try to make a difference. I'm thankful for the people in our community, our local government officials, those who legislate and make laws. I'm thankful for the people that try to make a difference for our kids in this community that uh, don't want our kids to become statistics. I'm thankful for all the nonprofits and all the different organizations that, that act and move um, in our community to give people a better life. Praise God for all the energy being expended on the physical level, on the material level. But the maker of the universe who lacks no power, who, 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 lacks, who lacks nothing, who has all wisdom and all authority, nothing is, is, hinders him, he answers the prayers of his people who approach his throne of grace with confidence, who cry out for mercy and grace on behalf of the world we live in. This, this angel comes to Daniel and he has quite, a, quite an interesting perspective. I, I think when the angel said to Daniel, yeah, I was opposed. I would have been here the first day, but I was withstood. Daniel, I imagine, is, you know, he's, he's kind of loopy from seeing God and he's kind of thrashed. And I imagine, yeah? you were opposed? Angel of God, you were, you were withstood? What in the world? Yeah, the, I was withstood by the prince of Persia. I was stuck with the kings of Persia. And at the end of, of this chapter, uh, he, he said, when I leave you, I'm going to go fight against the prince of Persia. And the prince of Greece is coming. And, and I imagine Daniel's like, what? What's going on here? Let me give you just, just a, a picture, a scene, that, a, a, biblical, a biblical scene that maybe will help us experience and, and sense and, and picture what's transpiring with this invisible war, this spiritual battle that is raging all around us, which our prayers influence and impact. Please open, turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings. 2 Kings, the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 13. And the setting here is that uh, the Syrians and the Israelites are at war. And the Syrian king keeps sending out forces to destroy the Israelites. And this prophet named Elisha, he keeps warning the Israelite king, hey, move there, move away from there, the Syrians are coming. And the Syrian king is so frustrated, he wants to kill Daniel, so he puts out a a hit on Daniel, as it were. But look at verse 13. And he said, the king of Syria said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, Behold, he's in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came at night and surrounded the city. 
So the prophet Elisha and those with him are trapped in the city. They're ringed by all the army of Syria who intend to kill him. When the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army of horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha, the servant Elisha, he's probably looking around like, What? I just see the enemy. I don't see anybody with us. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Have you ever seen an iceberg? Uh, Maybe in a movie, maybe some of you have taken cruise, maybe some of you have been in in the Arctic, and, and, and you've seen icebergs, and you can see just the peak of the iceberg and how massive and incredible that is. What you can see, but what you can't see under the surface is this, this much larger piece of ice, maybe 80, 90% of what you see uh, on top, you know, this huge, massive, incredible uh, block of ice underneath that you can't see. Sometimes what we can see is not nearly as, as impressive as what we can't see. I watched a nature movie once, and they were showing there was a hurricane above on the ocean, but down in the water, everything was calm. Above the water, they took you up above in the fury of the storm, the rage of the sea. You know, just the sound and the sight of the driving rain and the wind, the waves going wild everywhere, but you go a few meters down into the ocean, and everything is calm. What you could see wasn't the whole story. There was much behind the scenes transpiring. I think that's description of prayer and the spiritual battle that's being described in Daniel 10. Sometimes on Sunday morning we come and, and we sing songs and we pray and we listen to the preaching of God's Word and sometimes on a surface level, you see people and what, what, what's happening, their body expression, their language. Some are nodding off and some are excited, give me more. And what you don't see on the spiritual spectrum is there's angels and demons in the very air we breathe. And a great battle transpiring in our presence. The pictures we have of the unseen world are, are few. What are angels? Angels are creations of God, created beings that God has made. High intelligence, uh, Hebrews says they're ministering spirits, they are messengers, they're worshipers of God. Some seem to have permanent bodies, the seraphs and the cherubim, the living creatures before the throne. Others seem to be just spirits that take on, scripturally, take on bodies uh, to speak to humanity sometimes. Um, Angels, uh, it seems in the scriptures that they are innumerable. Remember when Jesus was being arrested and he says, don't you understand, I could call 12 legions of angels to save me and rescue me. 
We read about Michael or, or Gabriel, archangels. It seems like there's a rank and a hierarchy involved. What do we call our God? God reveals Himself to us as the Lord God Almighty, the God of the angel armies, the God of the heavenly host. The host of heaven, the angels, are among us. They, uh, they don't procreate. They don't marry. They don't seem to die. And can I, can I drive something into your head this morning? You will never become an angel. When you die, you don't get wings. When you die, you don't become an angel. You will always be human as you're human now. In the life after death, when you go to be with God, you're still human. God made you the way you are. In the resurrection life, in the kingdom of God, you're still going to be human. Sometimes we go to graveyards and we see the tombstones and little Joey became an angel. And we know that metaphorically and we know that, that uh, kind of picture, picturesquely but you will never become an angel. The angels were created a little higher than us in power and authority, but one day God's people will rule the angels, says Psalm 8. We are uh, in the midst of angels all the time. Hebrews, 12, Hebrews 13, verse 2 says, you know, uh, hospitality-wise, be aware that you might be entertaining angels at any time. And so we live in a world, uh, a world that, that we can't see yet. One day we will see the invisible world and, and all of God's splendor and all the glory that He's made it. You imagine heaven and the colors that we haven't seen yet, the sounds we haven't heard yet, the experiences that we haven't experienced yet and how beautiful and glorious it's going to be. Mary and I are talking before service about, man, can't wait for heaven. Heaven better than by far than what we experience here and now. But there are also in this world created beings called demons. There are uh, demons, are fallen angels, angels that rebelled against God and lost their place. Satan, the great adversary, it seems like he was on the level of Michael, the archangel, and Gabriel, the archangel. You know, again, our caricatures in Hollywood and the movies, they skew things and they picture things. But Satan, apparently, out of time, this created being, he wanted to be like God and he was cast out of heaven. And uh, demons, again, uh, they're, they're created beings. They're not like God. They're not omniscient. They know, don't know all things. They're not all powerful. They're, they're, they're not omnipresent. They, they're, they're not everywhere at once. They're not like God. They're created beings, meaning they're limit, limited. They're, they're, they're not everywhere. They're not all powerful. They're not in control of much. But demons want to wreck you. They want to pull you away from your God. They want to tempt you to do evil. And we remember from Scripture that no temptation, is exceed, no temptation, temptation right, has got a hold of you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will provide a way out so that you can stand up in, under any temptation, whether your own or, or satanic. Yeah. Uh, we, we understand that the demons in this world, sometimes they masquerade as, as uh, messengers. Uh, the religions of the world, uh, the Bible says that behind certain religions, uh, the idols that religions worship, the, the false, uh, the gods that they think they're worshiping, they're truly demons. And so right now in our culture, of course, horoscopes and palm readings and, 
and uh, spirit guides are a big deal. I went up to Crestone last year, and a gal up there told me of her demonic experience and uh, how she got roped into that through her spiritual uh, playing around with horoscopes, and, and she had a beautiful testimony of how God delivered her through prayer. But behind some of these religions that people are trapped into, whether it be Wicca or different things, uh, there are things that happen, and you wonder how it happens, and I believe that uh, demons are, are participating. Like, how do those palm readers know certain things? And, and how, do, how do they, they, the horoscopes, how do they tell certain things? You know, well, demons can't read your thoughts, but the collective number of them do see things, and, and maybe that information is passed on to practitioners of false religion. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, man, some of these things like Wicca and, and horoscopes, things really do happen. But why are they happening and who is behind what's happening and who's behind these revelations and who's behind this power that you're tapping into? Do you not realize that if it's not God Almighty, that you're, if it's not Jesus that you're tapping into and relying upon, that you're probably relying upon the host of hell? For your power and your strength. So we have these angels and demons, and we get, we wonder what, what does that look like. Uh, there's a battle. The the kings of Persia they with, with, with they I fought against them. The angels saying they with with they withstood me. Uh, what what in the world? Uh, turn to Revelation chapter twelve for just another picture. And um, Revelation chapter twelve verse one. And boy, you guys, you think about. This, 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 this situation with Daniel. He was praying for 21 days, and for 21 days, um, the, the angel was opposed. Like, there, there, was a, there was a battle there going on, and, and I think that somehow what we're, we're being communicated here, what's being told us here, is that our prayers somehow participate in bringing about the will of God the elements, the components of our prayers, the things we say, they engage in the unseen world in a way that brings about God's honor and glory and people's transformation. Chapter 12, verse 1 of Revelation, And a great sign appeared in heaven, and a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. We've seen pictures of Mary the mother of Jesus in different ways. And here we see a, a, a revelation of her in, in a certain vision that Apostle John had. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. Another sign appeared in the heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten hordes on his heads, seven diadems, seven crowns. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that she bore as she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared to, by God, which she is nourished for 1,260 days. So we, have, so we have some figurative speech here, some metaphors, but we have this picture on the surface. We read in, in the Gospels about you know Mary and Joseph and... They're traveling from Nazareth 
to Bethlehem. And we see that they don't have any room at the inn. We see that they have some struggles with some of their family. And, and she's worried about being in her village, being pregnant. And they think that she's got pregnant out of wedlock. And there's all kinds of fears. She goes down to you know, her, her, her relative, Elizabeth. And there's so much drama on the surface. But behind the scenes, uh, we, we see that there's, there's this battle going on, this attack, this satanic uh, wish to destroy Jesus. And what we see here in Revelation 12, it's almost like world war. A great conflation, a great destruction, a great battle going on that we have never seen. A battle that continues to this day. If you look at verse 13, And the dragon saw that when he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness. So John's seeing a vision and he's just describing what he's seeing. Certainly a lot of information couched in symbols and imagery. To the place where she had been nourished for a time, times and half a time, the serpent poured water like a river out of, his, out of the mouth after the woman to sweep her away like a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river the, that the dragon had poured from its mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Who are the offspring of the woman? Who is the offspring of the church? You are. By God's grace... He's called you into His family. By God's grace, He's written you into His book of life. By God's grace, He has saved you by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice of Jesus. When you placed your, your life in Jesus' hands, you became part of this heavenly, future heavenly group of people known as the church of Jesus Christ. And the dragon is still on the attack. And he will be till Jesus comes back. And so we see the, these images and we see these battles raging and we realize that there's so much more behind the scenes. And we realize that, I hope we realize that prayer really matters because God responds to the prayers of His people. God is sovereign and His will will be done. And yet He chooses to use the prayers of His people to accomplish His will. Just another scene, just another picture that I can point out to you the remaining time that we have left. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. What does prayer look like on the visual level? What does prayer, what does prayer accomplish on, on the physical, material level? Uh, this is after Israel left Egypt by God's grace. The Passover had come and, and um, the, the salvation from Egypt had come. And, and now they're marching towards the promised land and they're attacked by the Amalekites. Verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. Whenever Moses was praying, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary. <laughs> so they took a stone and put it, put it under him. He sat down on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people 
with a sword. So they're ambushed by the Amalekites. They defend themselves, and what wins the day? The prayers of God's people. Moses prays, the sign of his staff holding it up, praying, outward sign. What happens behind the scenes is nations are defeated and nations are victorious. The prince of the, of the, uh, of the Persian kingdom fighting, and, and behind the scenes, it seems as if there's these angelic beings that are tied to nations or communities, and we don't go too deep into that. Like Michael, it says in, in chapter 10, he's, he's kind of the, the, the patron angel, as it were, of Israel. He fights for Israel. Okay? And so we, our minds go crazy about all these different angels fighting against all the, the, the hosts of evil like, that are assigned to certain nations. Uh, very, very strategically, Satan works, and maybe very strategically, he works through governments and works through, through cultures and societies. This present darkness, where does some of this come from? Obviously, it comes from our sin and our desire for, for our glory, our, our own choices and decisions. The Bible calls us to repent and turn. But there's also this side of things in the world that's happening that is brought about by evil intent. The evil intent of an enemy that would like nothing better to destroy you, remove you from your God, cause you to lose your faith, cause your family to fall away from God. This is real. The battle is real. So I think about my my family members that I described earlier in the sermon. And what can I do? I can pray. I can fight the battle on my knees. I can bring before God my petitions and my supplications, my cries of mercy as Daniel did. And I know that my God hears and my God answers. Brothers and sisters, we are called to pray. The way the Apostle Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So we, we like to point the finger at politicians. We like to make fun of our president. We like to put down those in charge. We like to blame it on China or blame it on Russia. Blame it on whatever. We make memes that we put on social media just ripping our, our, our government leaders or, or we attack certain organizations that are working in our community. But Paul says, we do not wrestle against those things. We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. And Paul is saying, yeah, it's good to vote. I pray that you're all political in the sense of you register to vote. You make a difference in your community. I pray that everybody here in some fashion is, is working in the local community through your, through your business or through organizations or, or through the government. You know, if you're a citizen of Alamosa, Maybe in some way you get involved in Alamosa politics. You get involved in the Alamosa community in some fashion. You, you seek to make a difference with your life in the physical realm. But Paul is saying the buttons are really being pushed in the spiritual realm. 
The real work, the real battle takes place. The real struggle is with this present darkness and the powers that be. The God of this age, Satan, he fights against this world. He controls the unbelievers. He, uh, he leads people astray, and he would like to pull the church away from their God. And so we pray. We pray, believing that our prayers make a difference in the atmosphere. We pray. We pray specific requests. We pray for our local government leaders, for instance. We pray for the people in our family. We pray for ourselves. We pray for those in need. Oh God, we pray for the farmers and the ranchers in this community. If our water dries up, what's going to happen to this valley? God, move in our midst. Change things. You see, what, what kind of is coming together in this is that our prayers move mountains. I know there's mountains in your life. Obstacles and things that are coming against you and hardships and illnesses and difficulties that you're facing today. And isn't it it a shame sometimes when God's people who are aware of the battle, who are aware of biblical teaching on prayer, sometimes the last thing we do is pray. How many marriages are struggling in our church right now? How many single people are just broken right now with loneliness? How many people are are dealing with with heavy burdens and they're not praying? The Apostle Paul, again, says it this way in verse 18. He's talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about armoring up. He's talking about moving uh, in ways that overcome the devil. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that my words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So the Apostle Paul, he's saying, man, pray at all times. How do you do that? Well, there's this sense of where we're praying um, for things through our day, we go about our business, we go to work, we, we change diapers, we, we change tires, we, we go to school, we go to work, but while we're moving in the midst of things, we're praying. Like maybe when you come to church and you see a brother or sister that you know is hurting as you're worshiping the Lord, you're simultaneously praying for their healing or praying for their wholeness, or praying for their deliverance, or their transformation. Maybe during the week as you go about your busy schedule, while you're going about it, you're praying for people, for your children, for the people in need around you. Praying all kinds of prayers and all kinds of supplications. We're like, wow, that sounds like a whole whole different world that I'm involved in. That sounds like a whole different schedule, whole different pattern of living. And yet that's the Christian pattern of living, to pray and not give up, to continually bring brothers and sisters before the throne of grace, asking for God to rescue and to save and deliver. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to keep praying for my family members. I'm praying for this church that we would have a deep dependence on God and a deep love for our Jesus and we would live for Him. 
I'm praying for our government leaders that they would be wise with the wisdom of heaven to make the decisions and the legislation and the changes they need to make. Brothers and sisters, how can we not pray if we really have a heart for people around us and we really have a a heart to see people's lives changed unless our love has grown cold, unless we have forgotten about our call to serve others, how can we not pray? Prayer changes things because God chooses to move in response to our prayers. just as you and I are the means of spreading the gospel. God could send angels to every person that's lost around the world. He could send an angel today and show up on their doorstep and say, here's the gospel, be saved. But He doesn't do that. He chooses to use people. He chooses to use the church. He chooses to use us as plan A. We are the means of that end that God's going to bring about. The sovereign God that's going to save the people that He's called from eternity past. He chooses to use the means of His people to bring about His will. Isn't it the same in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly places, in the spiritual spectrum? That God has a will, He has an agenda, and He chooses to use the means of His people praying to accomplish His will. I wonder what would have happened that day that Moses was praying, and if he'd said, nope, I'm not going to pray today, I think I'm going to go watch Netflix instead. I think the Amalekites would have won that day. God's sovereign will would have been accomplished eventually in a different way, but Moses prayed that day. He prayed that day. He sought God's face. He lifted up his people. He asked for victory, and victory was won. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray. God has called us to pray. God hears our prayers and He answers our prayers. The best thing we can do to rescue and save those family members is to bring them before the mighty and the powerful and the great God and ask Him to rescue and save. Won't you pray? Please stand in the Lord's presence. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. O Lord God Almighty, you are our Father who loves us dearly, but you're our Father in heaven and you rule and you reign. Lord, the angels do your bidding. May we do your bidding here on earth. Lord, in heaven, you reign and you rule. May you reign and you rule upon the earth. Lord, we ask You to come. We ask You to save. We ask You to rescue. We ask You to bring Your kingdom near. Lord God, we we, uh, thank You for loving us. We thank You for calling us into Your family, for making us Your people by Your grace and by Jesus and by our faith in His work. Thank You, Lord, for Your plans and Your purposes in our life. Thank You for the victory that You won. Thank you that we can leave here today knowing that you reign. Thank you that you will always reign and you will always win. Bless you, Lord.
We love you. Send us out in the world now as your servants, your warriors of prayer. And may you be glorified and honored and worshipped by those you've saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless everybody and go in the power and the love of your great God. Thanks for tuning into this teaching from Living Water Bible Fellowship. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this video today. Living Water exists to lead people into a life-changing and an ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ.